This is Steve Adubato. This, more importantly, is the remote edition of Lessons in Leadership. We recently surpassed my colleague, Mary Gamba and I, which you, who you see on camera, the co-host and executive producer. By the way, if people want to know what executive producer means, it means leader in charge. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Just keep going, though. You could keep going with the titles. I, I, it makes me feel good. Oh, by the way, before you go any further, Mary, how many titles conservatively do you think you've had over the 20 years we've worked together? How many different titles? Uh, probably about 35. The head of business operations, chief mm -hmm. of staff. Yep. Chief Development of officer, uh, chief fundraiser. <laughs> you chief. name it. Head of marketing and communications. Dealing with the schedule. It just goes on forever. I I'm waiting uh, for president and CEO. That's going to be the next one. Why don't you just let me decide when I'm ready to step aside? <laughs> then you could take on all the responsibilities. You have most of them now. Uh, by the way, before you go any further, Mary, let's let everyone know. Uh, this is, I was just being handed this. By, by the way, Nick, want to make a quick Hi. This is Nick Adubato, who is the, uh, working with Frank and Elvin, who are doing on the production side, making it happen. Nick is our 17-year-old who is dealing with all technical issues. It takes a village, does it not? It sure does. Yes. Um, thank you very much, Nick. So, Mary, real quick, let's let everyone know how they can find us on our website and then also let everyone know more important, not more importantly, but who makes this program possible. Sure thing. Uh, you can find us on the web at stand-deliver.com. We have a ton of great articles up there, all free of charge on everything leadership, communication, running meetings, and a huge shout out and thank you to our funders of this program. We've got Prager Metis, we have Valley Bank, Gibbons PC Law Firm, uh, the International Union of Operating Engineers, and New Jersey Resources. Uh, real quick, uh, speaking of leadership, I'm a big Yankee fan dynasty baseball come back even if we can't be in the stands one of the greatest leaders not just one of the greatest players greatest shortstops greatest yankees one of the greatest leaders derek jeter can you say totally. my derek jeter yeah you could see it very very clearly and he is one of those uh athletes that truly years ago i used to say to my husband i said there's got to be something in that closet that something's going to come out that he did something wrong he just seems too perfect and he is such a great role model for all types of athletes, not just baseball players. You know, it's interesting you say that. I'm not going to get off on a whole sports thing right now, but along with a lot of other people, I'm watching the uh, ESPN series. This will be dated or hopefully already finished by then. But The Last Dance, which is an ESPN 10-part series on um, the Chicago Bulls, primarily Michael Jordan and his teammates in the 1998 season when they were going for their sixth championship. Why is it relevant? In it, Michael Jordan says, look, I want to be the greatest basketball player playing on the greatest team. Don't make me your role model. He, had, he loved to gamble. He enjoyed himself in certain ways. And, and um, he got criticized for not speaking out about certain political issues involving race by lots of folks. And he said, hold on one second. I want to be the greatest basketball player. I'm focusing on, I remember he said in the documentary on ESPN, on my, on my craft. And I keep struggling with the question, if you're a leader on your team in sports, do you have a responsibility to speak out on issues? Are you supposed to be a role model for all kinds of kids? Uh, or is it you're smoking your cigar, you're playing golf, you're gambling, you're playing cards? Nothing wrong with that. But I remember Michael Jordan saying, I'm not supposed to be the role model. Real quick, before we go to Barry Ostrowski, the president and CEO, of RWJ Barnabas Health. Are we all supposed to be role models, Mary, or just good at what we do? 
You especially need to be a role model. If you are out front in any capacity, whether you're a musician, if you are um, even a driver in NASCAR, if you are a television host, regardless of what it is, especially athletes, so many of our young kids look up to athletes. You, once you put yourself out there and you're in the spotlight, you're an actor, whatever it is, you need to be a positive role model. And sure, you could do what you want to do behind the scenes, but what you put out there publicly needs to be your best, best front. Mary, do this setup for Barry Ostrowski, the president and CEO of RWJ Barnabas Health. He's joined us many times and he's been a leader. He's a lawyer by background, but he's been a leader for a long time. Yeah, he leads one of the largest health systems in the state. And as many CEOs and presidents are dealing with the challenge of what to tell employees and how to deal with these challenging times, one of the things that Barry really um, will point to in this interview is how the best and true leaders cannot worry about being liked. Uh, they need to worry about making the best decisions for their team and then not react emotionally when things don't go the way that they thought it would go. And by the way, because Barry is the, the president and CEO of a large healthcare system, I want to remind people that if you go on our website on stand-deliver.com and download past editions, we're over 100 editions of Lessons in Leadership, we've gone out of our way to interview many of the people we deal with in the world of healthcare and hospitals. Um, Bob Garrettson, one of them from Hackensack Meridian Health. I believe Mike Marin up at um, Holy Name. Yeah. Uh, a whole range of other leaders, Brian Granulati over Atlantic. Why am I saying this? Because, and also we're going to do Sharif Elnahal over at University Hospital. And the reason this is so relevant is because when you think about leadership, it seems to me that those who are leading hospitals and hospital systems, in this case, Barry Ostrowski, the challenges they face, the issues they are dealing with, not just from a fiscal and economic point of view, how they stay in business, but think about the frontline leaders, the physicians, the nurses, the attendants, talk about courageous, talk about acknowledging and recognizing and protecting those people. It's an extraordinarily challenging job. So in this edition of Lessons in Leadership, we take a look at an interview that I did with Barry Ostrowski that uh, we'll talk about right after this. This is uh, that one-on-one -on -one interview. Go ahead. Steve Adubato here. Um, listen, we've been doing this series as part of Lessons in Leadership not just the name of a book that I happen to write, but way more importantly, a series that I've been doing with my co-host, Mary Gamba. And we're um, focusing on leading in a pandemic. Yes, we are taping this in April. It'll be relevant in May, June, July, and beyond because there's always a crisis, hopefully not this horrible, but we're joined by one of the leaders that um, is dealing with very directly. He and I talk leadership all the time. He's Barry Ostrowski, the president and chief executive officer, RWJ Barnabas, Barnabas Health. Uh, Barry, let's just jump right into it. Biggest leadership lesson you've learned so far, and there'll be others, in the middle of, if you will, April, the biggest leadership lesson you learned in this pandemic is what? Make decisions. Uh, thank you, Steve. It's great to be with you. You know, you can analyze and overanalyze so many aspects of any crisis, but because it's a crisis, things are happening in real time that affect real people. Now, in a pandemic, uh, like this, it affects literally everyone. And people look to the leader to make the decision. Uh, you gather as much information as quickly as you possibly can, but you don't have time to spend on analytics. You don't have time to debate. And while business judgment can always be less than perfect, you need to make decisions. And so I think 
In my case, I don't mind making decisions. I think all leaders believe uh, they have the they have the ability to do so. So people look to the head of the table and say, "Now what?" And if you are uh, ambivalent about an answer or equivocal, people lose trust in you and themselves. To be honest with you, so number one, you have to make a decision. Number two, I think you have to go out of your way to acknowledge and recognize the people who are actually responding. In our case, the heroism of the frontline caregivers is really beyond description. And they and the people that support them need to know that you are there as a leader and you're encouraging other leaders to support them. I think if you can make decisions and honor the commitments that others are making in a crisis like this, I think you'll be on your way as you write in your, in your book to leading in circumstances for which there is no playbook. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, where would one look? Often they say the generals fight the war they're fighting based on the last war, but no war is the same. And if we're going to say this is a war, an ongoing war, um, there is nothing like this. But what I'm curious about is this, Barry. You know, you've never struck me as someone who worries about being, uh, I'm going to say this the right way, when you make those decisions, you don't think a lot about how popular you're going to be, do you? Can't. I, I, you just go, can't do that. Go to that. Because I'm sitting there realizing we've laid some people off. Nothing we want to do. You've got to run a fiscally, you, you got to stay in business. And sometimes right. you make decisions as leaders that clearly make people not just uncomfortable, uncomfortable, it affects their lives and scares other people. Why is it that we can't be worried about people, quote, liking us when we do that as leaders? Well, look, I, I think you have to be careful about emotional decision making. You know, emotional maturity is the ability, in my view, to have empathy and be compassionate, but to make decisions on more objective criteria than the emotion of the situation. If you led exclusively by emotion, you could never make a hard decision because hard decisions do, unfortunately, displace people or have ill effects on a number of folks for whom you wouldn't want to have such ill effects. Not at all. So I believe if you have the empathy and you have compassion and you do everything you can to protect as many people as you can, if you believe in the objective of the organization, and I think this is critical, Steve, we believe in our mission. And so in making every decision, whether it's during a more peaceful time or in, in a crisis or pandemic, every decision we make has to be connected to our ability to pursue the mission of the organization. And if I can't connect those dots, then I'm not making the right decision. And sometimes the right decision and the ability to connect the dots, unfortunately mean certain people are going to be hurt or disadvantaged in some form or fashion. And if I emotionally respond to that, I compromise on the ability of the organization to attain the mission, and that's not acceptable. Last question, Barry. You're also a board member of NJTV, uh, New Jersey Public Broadcasting, or, or uh, NJTV, uh, if you will, since we've been in operation since 2011. And you're one of the original board members of public media in New Jersey. But here's the question. Innovation and leadership. NJTV, uh, as we're doing this program, has created called something called Learning Live, which is they actually have teachers. In this pandemic, as we're doing this, and we hope kids do go back to school sometime soon, but we don't know that's going to be the case. But NJTV 
approached educators and they're collaborating with others to have instructional learning on television. Innovation, the need to innovate, it's not an option, is it? It is a must, correct? It is a must. I couldn't be prouder than to be a board member of that organization. And organizations that innovate, organizations that help to respond to challenges like this in new and creative ways are organizations that frankly allow themselves to be successful for longer duration. I think taking stock of what you can do and then using those skills and resources in a way that you may not have chosen to do that in the past, but now you're doing it because of the challenges, that defines an organization that is truly committed to making society better or certainly attaining an objective that will make society better. I think NJTV does that with high credibility and acceptance. And I think it's the way all organizations ought to operate, but they immediately stepped into this unfortunate gap. And I think they are uh, enabling school children to learn. And frankly, um, when I was in school, the idea of not having to go to school for a long time would have sounded great. But right. I think, you know, there's a lot of boredom that happens and so people, uh, children, I'm told, we don't have any school-age children, are really excited about at least doing something. And in this case, it's education. Barry Ostrowski, who is the leader of a um, one of the most significant, important healthcare systems, not just in the state, but in the nation, RWJ Barnabas Health, in cooperation with the folks at Rutgers. Um, you and I will continue talking leadership. And Barry, hopefully next time it's face-to-face the way we uh, like it the most, but we can't always, uh, um, we just have to deal with the deck, or excuse me, the, the cards that were dealt and make the best of it. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Steve. Be well and safe. All uh, best to you. We'll be right back right after this. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Again, on Lessons in Leadership, we try to talk to leaders on the front lines, those who are dealing with the most, <clears throat> excuse me, difficult issues. Mary, in this interview that we did, uh, that I did with Barry Ostrowski, he talked specifically about making the tough decisions and not, you know, let's, let's be candid. You and I talked about not the issue of popularity, which Barry talks about, but we're being recognized. You said you like to be recognized, but you don't need to be recognized. I want to be popular. Mary, I'm sorry, but I need to be popular. It's not working for me, is it? <laughs> oh, you're doing just fine, Steve. No, no, but in all seriousness, for a leader, you may want to be popular, sure. as Barry said, but you actually can't have that be a need because if it's a need to be popular in the age of COVID-19, how the heck are you gonna make the incredibly difficult, painful decisions that may include job cutbacks, otherwise known as layoffs, furloughs, pay cuts, budget cuts, really tough decisions. How can you do that if you really need to be popular? Yeah, you cannot have that desire override common sense and the decisions that you're making because oftentimes as a leader, especially in COVID-19, the decisions that you're making are not gonna make a lot of people happy, but they are necessary. In that regard, we talk about governors, 
uh, Governor Murphy in New Jersey, Governor Cuomo in New York, President Trump leading our nation. Our, our prayers and thoughts are all are with all of those leaders, the mayors, the county executives, all those people. But I'm going to ask you, Mary, if a leader in government, it's interesting. I'm not going to get into a political or philosophical discussion, but if the people, mean, meaning your customers, your consumers, your stakeholders, in government leadership, if the people want you to reopen and, and, and have this open, that open, and, and, and stop the restrictions on certain level, but the leader, he or she truly believes by talking to healthcare experts and others that we need to be slower about that, we need to be more cautious, whatever it is, is a leader's job to do what most of the people who are their constituents, being in a company, a, a hospital, a, a school, whatever it is, a church, what he or she ex thinks their constituents want or what he or she thinks is the right thing to do? Oh, that's a simple answer. It has to be the thing that is the right thing to do, taking in all of the information that you have at that point, which may not be every single piece, but you need to use your judgment. You need to use um, any type of history and make those right decisions. But the other thing that I really like that he talked about was innovation. Because if you reframe it as a leader, as, okay, these are tough decisions that we're making, but we're going to innovate. We're going to find new ways of doing things that we traditionally have done many different ways. And then we will come out of this together. Yeah, real quick, speaking about innovation, we had historically been in the uh, studios at NJTV, the great public television station in New Jersey. Check it out every night, NJTV News. Um, and by the way, shout out, talking about great leaders, Mary Alice Williams, who recently stepped down as the anchor of that broadcast, one of the great leaders, the icons in the broadcast industry. She's given so much to our industry. She's taught and mentored so many people, not just at NJTV and in public broadcasting, but before that, she was one of the first anchors over at CNN. She's it just I just want to say that because leaders need to be recognized. But check out NJTV News. But we do our program out of that studio or out of the WNET, uh, the PBS affiliate in New York, their studio out of Lincoln Center. We had to innovate, Mary, because those studios were not accessible to us. And that's what we're doing here, along with so many others. Is that what innovation looks like? That's exactly what innovation looks like. It's not really knowing in a moment that something is going to change. We, we saw it coming. We saw that there were shutdowns going on. But the next thing you know, it's okay. We need to figure out a new way to get our content on the air. That's what we are. We're a television production company. Well, we can't get to the studio. So what are you going to do? You're going to do your research. You're going to uh, reach out to the key people that you have relationships with and just get all the information and find new ways of doing things. And, and frankly, some of the things that we're doing right now are more efficient, more effective than ever. And um, you know, it's just being creative. Real quick on this, before we go to the second clip with Tim Sullivan, who's the uh, CEO of the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. There's an expression that I want uh, us to think about. Never let perfection be the enemy of the good. You ever hear me say that, Mary? I've actually never heard you say not that. Mine. <laughs> well, not I didn't mine. say it was yours, but I've never heard you say that. We've been together 20 years and I've never heard that. Perfection cannot, should not be the enemy of the good. Simply put, we are making mistakes. This isn't perfect. We're getting better. We'll keep getting better. We'll make more mistakes. I will make mistakes as a leader in decisions I make about the organization. Mary will occasionally make mistakes and running things on a day-to-day -day basis, you will make mistakes. But if your goal is to be perfect, one of our clients said recently, leading in the age of COVID-19 is like building a plane as 
as you're flying it. We almost bring that up every single day. And if you're building a plane as you fly it or flying it as you're building it all in real time, you're going to make mistakes. So if you think you're going to get all the information and make a perfect decision, not only aren't you going to do that, but you may have that be the enemy of a good outcome, a positive outcome that's not perfect. So it's an important thing to remember. Mary, let's set up this clip with Tim Sullivan, who is the CEO of the Economic Development Authority. And by the way, they're playing a key role in the economic livelihood um, and, and health of the state of New Jersey. Let's set it up real quick. Yeah, so Tim Sullivan, he's the CEO of the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Uh, Tim is really gonna talk about the importance of having a schedule, having a routine, um, and then just really when you're leading in a pandemic, we've talked about it so much, the importance of candor. So uh, we can go to Tim. Yeah, Tim, Tim Sullivan, got to talk to him. Important words, all about leadership. We continue our series as part of Lessons in Leadership Leading in a Pandemic by talking to leaders of every stripe in all kinds of industries, in government and not-for-profits, university world and the corporate world. And we talked to, right now, our good friend, Tim Sullivan, who is the president, excuse me, the CEO of New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Good to talk to you, Tim. Hey, Steve, good to be with you. Wish we could be together in person. And we will uh, one day soon. And again, this is part of leading in a pandemic question. The most important lesson you've learned about leading in the current pandemic we are in is? Honesty and candor. Uh, I was sitting next to the governor the other day at uh, his daily press briefing, and he said something really important. He said, this is a war. You don't win a war by panicking. You don't win a war with business as usual. you got to be honest and, and direct about the challenges we face. I think that's a, an incredibly important point. But here's the other thing. Honesty and candor. Dealing with fear. The EDA, the Economic Development Authority, is dealing with small businesses all over the state. They're being, you're being overrun as we do this program by people looking for help. What advice do you have from a leadership point of view? I mean, we lead a not-for-profit. We've talked before. You're one of our longtime partners. But here's the question. How does a leader, he or she, hide the fear and insecurity he or she feels about the future from their people when they're trying to show confidence and they're not 100% confident themselves? Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of uh, uh, fake it till you make it on some of that stuff. Uh, That's you, right. You, 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 you've got to, you know, get up every day and even if you're not going to the office, comb your hair and shave and get and hit and, and hit it and get to work. Uh, you know, I think people, you know, the, the colleagues that I work with at the EDA and the companies that we work with uh, every day, even more so now, you know, they, they want to feel like they've got a, a role to play and a mission uh, as, as part of responding to the crisis. So it's, it's motivating to, to me and, and all my colleagues and teammates that we're trying to do something to help here uh, and not just being, you know, passers-by or, or witnesses to what's going on here, but trying to help. And I think that's motivating for people. Certainly, A huge well. part, I'm sorry for interrupting, Tim, that's part of the technology as well as not knowing exactly when someone's going to finish. You don't read the body language the same way. I'm a student of communication, as you well know, and I'm a big fan of being face-to-face. -face. Well, when it comes to leadership, being a really great communicator is not just an option, it's a necessity. How has your communication changed with your own staff? I know you're in different locations to begin with, but now you're in different, more locations because people are remote as we're doing this, uh, taping this conversation. How much harder is it, is it for you to communicate with your team remotely? You know, we've had to do it differently, but uh, one of the important principles I read, you know, if it was a tweet or something from some you know leadership piece of advice it could have been from you if i remember um if it was setting, good it was from me i'm sorry I'm sure it was you steve <laughs> um it was about setting a pattern so even before we were under the work from home orders we started doing a daily meeting and a daily call of our top of our senior team 
just to go through all the coronavirus stuff so we were focused. Um, not adding it onto the other meetings, not making it, you know, one of seven agenda items, but, you know, the only, the only item on the agenda. And we kept that up every day, uh, to every day, including weekends, uh, through the first couple of weeks of this. And I expect we will, because you've got to have regularity to it. You can't, email's great, texts are great, but you can't convey the same as you, when you're all together, at least uh, via voice and camera. Uh, in person. So having that pattern, getting into that, that repetition is really important for us. Well, one more quick follow-up. Very often in a crisis, whether it's the pandemic we're talking about now, or uh, there'll always be a crisis down the road, hopefully nothing as horrific as this. But very often team members look to the leader. He or she will tell us what to do. I've often said, yeah, and sometimes I dictate too much as a leader, but often we, we look to team members for ideas how they would handle a situation, bringing up issues we may not think of as the person at the top of the organization, even though there are a whole range of other leaders. Here's the question. How do you encourage and engage team members to speak up and share their ideas when you need them now more than ever? You can, you, I take my cues from the governor on this has been doing, you know, asking all of us peppering us with lots of questions and asking us for feedback on a million different topics all along the way here, as he always does, but with a, a bit more pace and urgency in this crisis. You've got to be proactive at asking your team, hey, first of all, how you doing? Everybody, everybody good at home? How's everything good? You know, everything, uh, you know, everything in your life as settled as it can be in this in this terrible period. And then making sure to say, hey, are we doing it right from your perspective? And you got to you got to be willing to get that honest feedback to say, hey, is this, you know, we had to make a decision. Not sure it was the right one. You got to make a bunch of decisions. What do you think? And it's time to time to make some decisions. Can you make sure your inputs in the in the till? Last question. You and I have talked offline in meetings. We joke a lot that we've both been trained um, in Catholic school, Catholic high school. And Christian brothers were a big part of our lives. I know this sounds like a stretch to some who may not appreciate or understand what that background is. Even though Tim and I did not graduate together in the same year, hard to believe. I know, Tim. Serious question: What you learned? in those schools about discipline, about rigor, about keeping yourself together and having a routine. Boy, do we have routines. That's why I'm wearing a tie when I probably shouldn't because they wore them so often in school. The question is this, is that part of your leadership style today? Well, I don't know if I'm as uh, regimented as the nuns and uh, priests and brothers who helped uh, <laughs> educate me as a kid, but um, uh, certainly that, uh, the, 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 that, that does, I think we all feel a pretty important desire for order and regularity now. And that certainly goes uh, far back into my childhood. Um, and so, yeah, I think having, uh, having some, some order and some discipline is, uh, is, is helpful right now. And, uh, I'd like to think I, I picked up some of that along the way from the, the many, uh, wonderful educators, both, uh, uh, with collars and habits and, and, and lay teachers as well, um, all along the, all along the way. What's so interesting is there's rigor and there's discipline and there's regularity and there's also being agile and nimble and flexible, which um, is always important. Hey, Tim, I want to thank you for joining us and talking about leading in a pandemic. This conversation will be relevant anytime it airs because um, the tips and tools you offered are just that valuable. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Steve. Great to be with you and uh, stay well. And that was and is Tim Sullivan from the Economic Development Authority. Mary. Um, real quick, he talked about each player on the team having to be a part of the mission during the pandemic. Talk about it. So important, whether you're looking at any of your lower, newer um, staff members, and I say lower, just lower level, whether you're talking high level CFOs, everybody has to play a role and all of those roles are critical. And as Tim said, you need to communicate to those people, all right, here's your role, here's why you're doing it, and here's why it matters to the future of the organization.
And if they don't feel a part of it and you just say, listen, I'll make the decisions, you wait till I decide and then you execute, doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't. You're going to get employees then that are disengaged, that really don't buy into your mission and your value. And simply put, they're just not going to care about the future of the organization. And in these really challenging times, um, that's not acceptable. By the way, folks who care about us uh, happens to be not just people watching and listening, but also folks who help underwrite and sponsor the program. Real quick before we go, Mary. Sure. We've got Prager Metis, the Inter International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, uh, New Jersey Resources, Valley Bank, and Gibbons PC. Terrific stuff. By the way, all kinds of information going on, information sharing. So I want to thank Elvin and Frank, who helped make everything possible on the production, the direction, and the audio end, and also our son, Nick. Uh, not We don't all have a son named Nick. I do. He's in the other room. He's on the technical side here. This is Steve Adubato. Way more importantly, that is the executive producer and co-host of this program, Mary Gamba. Mary, go ahead. Say goodbye to everyone. Goodbye, everyone. And please, you know, be safe and stay healthy. And uh, we'll see you next time. You got it. See you then. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, New Jersey Resources, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. I could feel my lungs fill with oxygen, and I got my life back. The sharing network means to me hope, life, and everything. The sharing network was a lifeline to me when I really needed it. We are an organ procurement organization. The core purpose of the New Jersey Sharing Network is to save and enhance lives. To honor those who gave. A tribute to those who received. Offer hope to those who continue to wait. And remember the lives lost while waiting. For the gift of life.